Okay, Lewis, uh, would you like to would you like to lead us in prayer, please, Lewis? Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this opportunity that we get to boldly come to the throne of your grace to offer our thanks and praise, which is the only thing we can offer to you. We thank you for choosing us as the recipient of your grace. What a wonderful gift and blessings. Not only that, you also gave us um, the position of in the heavenly places. And it's just such a wonderful blessings that you know, we just cannot utter. We just thank you, Father. And Father, as the day is growing darker, and as we look around, there are a lot of confusion, and there's a lot of despair, anxiety. Yeah, as uh, your adopted children, we know that you're always with us, and always give us comfort, always nurture us, and provide for us. And as we have observed that, and there seem to be more and more people willing to declare or identify themselves question Christian in public. And we just thank you that people are willing to stand up to realize your presence and the power that can influence their life. And they are um, looking for comfort and looking for companion, looking for other questions who they can identify. We just ask you that we may be the, uh, the vehicle that to share the wonderful news of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection and ascension into the heavenly place and interceding for our needs. May we just share those wonderful news with them so they may be strengthened and uh, drawn closer to you. Father, we have many, many unspoken requests for each one of us, and you know our struggle, and you know our need, and we trust in you to guide us, to protect us, and... Uh, so we may be a blessing to others. And we know that for those who are predestined, predestinate, you also call. And as I study the scripture this morning, and as you call, you not just call, you call us by name. So you knew our name from the foundation of the world at the beginning. And uh, we, our name has been in the Book of Life from the beginning because you knew us. We are very grateful that we are being chosen to be this recipient. And Father, we have other requests we'd like to utter. As a new school year is starting, we pray for the family and especially young kids that are going to have school. 
and we know how corrupt the system is. And they try to indoctrinate all the kids and they try to pressure parents to comply to it. We pray for the protection and the shielding of those kids and families from the enemies. And we know um, Satan is expanding his um, influence, but we also know that you overrule. And we just ask you to protect those kids. Father, we know that your grace is sufficient for us. And may we always hold on to this truth, knowing that you are always with us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lewis, so much. And I am very thankful that we can gather together today. And also next week is my plan, at least, Lord willing, to focus mainly on something Paul mentions in, in Colossians. And he, he gives certain summary statements about, but not great details about what's contained within the sacred secret given to him with what's contained within the mystery that he mentions there in Colossians chapter one. He just gives sort of a summary statement, but what he says is very important and must must be taken to heart by all of us or will surely be lacking greatly. Paul devoted his entire life to getting that message out. That should uh, tell us all how important it is and how critically necessary it is for our well-being spiritually. So that's what we'll focus on today and next time primarily, what is contained within this sacred secret revealed to Paul for us Gentiles. Last time we looked at the subject of Paul, the administrator of grace, and I drew a parallel between Paul and Moses. And Moses was unquestionably the administrator of the law. It was given at the hand of angels, but it was given to Moses and for us all in one sense at least that we might Paul says that we might be edified in how God has worked down through the ages but it was specifically given to Israel for their obedience and no no one dare question that Moses was the administrator if they did what was the consequence you might remember there were severe consequences Someone has their mic unmuted. You might know who that is. <laughs> anyway. Um, so last time we, we looked at how, as administrator, Paul was called out and chosen by Christ after his death, burial, resurrection, and after his ascension into heaven's glory, right? And how Paul revealed this message in his letters, and a central part of that message was this dispensation of grace, as he calls that in Ephesians chapter 3, the dispensation of the grace of God 
quite distinctive from the dispensation of the law. In fact, much of what Paul writes in his letters, I think probably it's the largest topic anywhere, is how legalism, though it's a natural enemy coming to us from the nature of man itself, whereby we always want to prove ourselves. We want to, through our own efforts, distinguish ourselves even before almighty God and we invent a law for ourselves uh, regularly some sort of thing we believe that we must do and if if we do it it will be a glory to God but many times it is not and uh, that's what we call legalism so much of Paul's letters are written with that in mind to protect us against legalism because the tree of grace has its roots cut off by works of law. Okay, works of law uh, glorify the the worker, not not the uh, ultimate provider of everything that we have and honor in this life. So that's uh, a central teaching in Paul's letters. The dispensation itself is revealed in many different dimensions, and I want us to look today at those. There are, depending on how you divide it, as many as 10 different dimensions. I um, put it under seven different headings rather than 10. And today we will look at the first three of those. Next time, try to get to the rest. We may not succeed in that. We might uh, have to take a third time. We'll have to wait and see about that. Okay, so what we should expect when we're opening Paul's letters and reading them is revelation concerning which Paul says it had been given to him for us by the risen Christ and by the ascended Lord Jesus, right? He was not taught the way the 12 were, The 12 apostles were taught by Christ on earth, and the whole focus was on the law, only not necessarily Moses' law, but rather the kingdom law. Because after all, the people of Israel, the Jews, were being prepared by Christ in his earthly ministry for what would come, how their blessings would be ultimately provided because there were promises that had been made by God. Some were dependent on works, but most of, many of them were, were independent of that, and God had not yet fulfilled those promises for, for his people. So the time would come when he did, and uh, there were prophecies to be fulfilled regarding the nation of Israel. So uh, Christ is preparing his 12 apostles for that time. And you read much about that in the gospel accounts. So what Paul is revealing, though, is quite distinctive, and uh, we should see it as such. There are many enemies of this teaching today. In fact, I, I think if there are any enemies of the faith today that are found just about everywhere, it's those that are uh, promoting teachings contrary to what Paul 
shared with the churches and what I will share with you today. Okay, because Paul's teaching is really that important. So there's a big question to be answered today and next time. Is Paul's mystery teaching really that important? So the first point will be that Paul's doctrine fills full or completes the word of God. That's an amazing statement that Paul makes in Colossians chapter 1. Secondly, if it fills full or completes the word of God, then it's essential for our understanding and our spiritual growth. That's how Paul ends chapter 1 of, of, of the Colossian letter that how critically essential this teaching is for our understanding and spiritual growth. And then we'll look at the sevenfold dimensions of the mystery, just at the first three of the seven today, save the rest for later. So first of all, Paul's doctrine feels full or completes the word of God. Well, in Colossians 1, we read some words that we really should never forget, okay? And I'm saying this to you as strongly as I can without yelling. <laughs> uh, yelling wouldn't help, but um, soft voice is often, often better than a loud one. But in Colossians 1, we read these words, which we should never forget. Reading verses 24 through 26. Paul, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, of which I made a, a minister, whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So what is it that will fulfill the word of God? He says in verse 26, it is the mystery. So the revelation given to him, the sacred secret, he uses this Greek word mysterion, which transliterated is simply in English letters, mystery. So what fulfills or completes the word of God is the mystery, which he says has been hid from ages and from generation, but now is made manifest to his saints. So what does he mean when he says fulfill? Well, I I would say if we today, if we were translating it, we wouldn't use the word fulfill. Back then in 1611, when they translated it, they did because the word had a, a somewhat different meaning than it does today. But uh, fulfill literally means to fill full, <laughs> to fill full to fill full, to overflowing, to, to complete, in other words. So that would be a, another way to translate the word, to complete 
Well, what is it that completes the word of God? He says it's the revelation of the mystery. Okay, well, what does that mean to say that completes the word of God? Well, there's a lot of different uh, ways this might be expressed or explained, and many of them, I think, are very incorrect and damaging to the truth and to the ministry of the truth, but they're out there nevertheless, and they're very commonly heard. But the most obvious uh, thing that uh, I think nobody nobody says it, but one could say, I think incorrectly, but one could say, well, the revelation given to Paul completes the word of God in the sense that it was the last thing written, everything else written before what he wrote. Therefore, it completes the word of God because it's the last part the part yet to be revealed in the sense of time. That would have to be false teaching simply because many other things were written after what Paul wrote in his letters. The Gospels, for example, hadn't been written yet. So they're written later. Um, the so-called general letters of John or, or Peter or James or Jude, they were written later. Maybe James written earlier, as probably an early letter, but the rest certainly written after Paul wrote his letters. So certainly Paul's letters weren't the last uh, inspired documents produced by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so certainly that viewpoint doesn't make any sense. Uh, Paul's letters were not the last inspired writings that were made. In fact, they were very early compared to the rest. Well, the second viewpoint that's also wrong is that uh, Paul's writings add to the prophetic revelation and complete it simply by adding additional details. Uh, so <laughs> if so, then uh, what Paul has written would be very similar in many ways to what had been written before and not particularly different, certainly not incompatible with, and yet we find there is a major disconnect often between Paul's writings and what had been written before. That's even true if you consider prophetic writings of Paul. Paul often does write about earlier teachings, and, and in fact, he's very good at ex explaining them. You know, what did the prophet mean when he wrote this or that? Paul is extremely uh, able to do that. In fact, more able than anyone else ever who wrote, except for the Lord himself, of course. But Paul's writings are very different in many ways from what was written before. So that viewpoint doesn't hold any water. Then there's another viewpoint that says that, well, everything previous to Paul was written with types that all pointed forward, for example, pointed forward to the cross and that, that God would send forth the seed of the woman and so forth. And then what Paul wrote simply provides the fulfillment of those previously given uh, prophecies or other writings. So the types are like in the Old Testament, for example, and the antitypes, what Paul writes about in the New Testament. 
that that viewpoint has been assumed to be true by most of those that name the name of Christ down through history because it's an entirely anti-dispensational view. It's contrary to the whole dispensational idea, which is that God reveals uh, in different time periods in different ways how man cannot uh, without the overriding uh, influence of Almighty God ever honor the Lord God. Mankind simply cannot do it. Mankind is is uh, uh, bound by sin and a nature of sin and constantly seeking to go contrary to the Lord God. That's what the nature of sin is all about, right? <clears throat> it's not as if mankind uh, somehow was, is still inherently good, as so many teach today, right? Um, well, Paul is not simply finishing the job, you might say, of, of uh, giving a more complete view uh, of what has been revealed before. That's simply not the truth. In fact, I th- there's another way to understand this word fulfill that's far, far better, and in fact, I believe correct. And, and that's that uh, what Paul does is to reveal what had never been revealed before, but without it, there wouldn't be a complete revelation, right? It could be simpler than this. Okay, so that's exactly what we see revealed uh, in uh, letters. And we'll see that as we proceed today. So I think that should be very clear as we go on here today. Okay, okay. The second main point that is that Paul's doctrine is essential. Therefore, if it completes the word of God, then it has to be essential. I mean, to go on ignoring it as if somehow it were never written is to go entirely contrary to the whole purpose and will of God, right? And the fact that he called Paul out and sent him forth as apostle to the Gentiles should make it so clear that we really need to know this teaching, this truth. And without it, we're, we're abysmally lacking, you might say. In fact, it has more consequences than that. Without it, we're not even going to be able to be saved since uh, the gospel itself is included as part of the mystery or sacred secret given to Paul. Okay, so to see this this stated in such black and white terms as I've just used, all we have to do is look in Colossians chapter 1. That's where he says, in verse 24, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof, in other words, concerning the church, right? The body, the body church, concerning which I'm a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known. So this is the desire of Almighty God, and this is why he gave this revelation to Paul, to whom God would make known what is the riches 
of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, Gentiles, is the riches of the glory of the mystery, right? So the very high point, the very most amazing part of the whole revelation given to Paul, Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. So it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, he says, warning every man, that's a strong word, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto also I labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Four different words for power there and strength. Striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So Paul was working in accordance with the work of Almighty God. Now, that all by itself explains why it's most critical for us to understand this teaching. And Christian maturity is dependent upon it, therefore. And why is it? Because you cannot do works with glorified God if you do not know what work God himself is doing. Because you will inevitably be trying to perform religiously works that would honor God. And if so, God is not a part of those works. It's very clear. It's only the works that flow forth as fruit from the work of God within us, believers, that honor him. So we'll be trying to do what he is already doing and we cannot do, or we'll be trying to do what he prohibits us from doing and that will not honor God, okay? It'll only tend to honor ourselves in our own view. So that's uh, the heart of, of legalistic religion is really to work independently of God. So if I were to define what a dispensation is, uh, which I'll do in a moment, it, it's the, the definition really of how God is working. And without a knowledge of that, our own efforts are vain, empty, to no purpose, and will not count for eternity. Now, there's a lot more that could be said about works than that, but I won't go into it now. So this is wonderful, blessed truth that uh, Paul is revealing, and uh, it's spiritual truth indeed, and without it, we cannot grow and prosper as believers. Now, many today do not have this. Does that mean they're unbelievers? No, it does not. Not if they believe the gospel. If they believe the gospel, they're saved. Whether they're taught anything else afterwards or not, right? Salvation is by grace through faith, taking God at his word regarding the uh, the gospel that they have heard or read uh, and that they've believed, right? But going on from there, I mean, God's not finished with us the moment we're saved. There's much more that he uh, desires to do in and through us after that. And uh, that's uh, what we're talking about here today. That's what Paul's revelation will 
enable us to be a part of the great work of God today in revealing his abundant grace. That's why it's called the dispensation of the grace of God. God is working to honor his grace today. And everything that was revealed to Paul as part of this sacred secret relates to that grace in one way or another. Okay. Well, what are the seven dimensions? The list of the seven is this, and we'll just do the first three today. The first is a new dispensation, our current reality. <laughs> In other words, we are not living under the law. We are living under grace. However others may, might, may present it, whatever we may believe, you can't change reality. We have a new dispensation. That is our current reality. Secondly, a better gospel given for the faith of sinners, not for the righteous, but for sinners, a different gospel. Thirdly, every benefit of Christ's work on Calvary fully provided, every benefit fully provided through Christ's all-sufficient work. Then next time we'll look at these uh, four different dimensions of this great mystery. The church, which is one body given for our blessing. That's a large topic indeed. Then an abundant life offered freely based on Christ's righteous gift. An abundant life offered freely based on Christ's righteous gift. Then the blessed hope and expectation assured by Almighty God. That's the rapture, the blessed hope and expectation, being caught up into heaven's glory before the tribulation, of course, begins. Then, finally, the heavenly warfare, which demands our constant engagement. A heavenly warfare. That's what's going on right now demands our constant engagement. You cannot live the Christian life honorably today without engaging in spiritual warfare. Now, I could put all of it in one sentence, and I'm going to do that just because it kind of highlights what I've just told you in a what I think is a very effective way. This is one very long sentence. It's nearly as long as Paul's sentences. And what it highlights and describes is the content of the sacred secret of the mystery given to Paul for us. Okay. By faith alone, through the gospel of our salvation, joining the assembly of saints, which is his body, receiving the imputation of Christ's own righteousness, Christ indwelling our spirits with new life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, reigning in life under the principle of the abundance of his grace, sharing in his sufferings for his body's sake, all while the mystery of iniquity reigns, but possessing the heavenly hope with all spiritual 
blessings for freely given and loving the expectation of his upward calling with the promise of eternal manifestations of his kindness towards us saints. Amen. That's the content of the sacred secret given to Paul. And that's our subject for several lessons here now. Okay. By faith alone, through the gospel of our salvation, joining the assembly of saints, which is his body, receiving the imputation of Christ's own righteousness, Christ indwelling our spirits with new life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, reigning in life under the principle of the abundance of his grace, sharing in his sufferings for his body's sake, all while the mystery of iniquity reigns, but possessing the heavenly hope with all spiritual blessings freely given and loving the expectation of his upward calling with the promise of eternal manifestations of his kindness towards us saints, period. Amen. And it's all written in the handout, so you can uh, get it a little later today when I put it out on Liberty Messenger. Okay, that's the content of the Sacred Secret. So first I want to look at the first of those, which is the new dispensation, our current reality. And we have to move so quickly here. So um, I didn't even give out reading assignments. I forgot to do that. So. And we are going to go quickly because all this we've covered before. It's just that I'm pulling it all together at one time here or several times. So we have it clearly in mind as we proceed with Paul's letter to the Colossians. So I'm going to ask Tom to read first Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see 
what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. We have spent a lot of time on this, even in the radio Bible study, just finishing Ephesians yesterday. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. So there are a number of key parts here to the mystery that are revealed in this section that Tom just read, but uh, I'm just going to quickly mention them. Notice that he says these truths were kept hidden. He doesn't say all men should have known them if only they were spiritual or something like that. He says, no, they couldn't be known because they were kept hidden. They weren't just kept hidden in a in a wall somewhere or on a document that had been buried or or maybe even hidden in the revealed word of God or something like that. He says, no, kept hidden in God. So they were kept hidden in the very heart of God. They were even hidden, he says, from the apostles and prophets. How about that? Huh? So they didn't know these things either. That's in verses 5 and 9 there of Ephesians chapter 3. And then he goes on and he says more. He says, it's all about the Gentiles and how God is working today under grace, you know, to make them fellow heirs, co-heirs, co-shares in the inheritance. That's in verse 6. And verse 6 has three other things in it, too. That the Gentiles were to be included in the one body, that they would also be given promises in Christ. And then the revelation that all of these blessings would come through, it says in the gospel there in the King James, but the, in the Greek it's even clearer, through or by means of the gospel itself, this good news of the grace of God. So this gospel was given to Paul as part of the sacred secret. Okay, that leads us to the next thing, which is just that, the gospel. So Paul was given a better gospel. It was part of the sacred secret. And it was given for the faith of sinners. And those verses that I'd like read today, uh, he writes about it in other places too. In fact, I want you to read it in Galatians 1 when you have an opportunity, maybe later today, Galatians 1, verses 6 through 8. I'm not going to read it now, but it's about the great challenge uh, of legalism and how that short circuits the gospel of grace entirely. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 8. But right now, I'd like Lewis to read for us 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. And actually, you referred to this in your prayer, I noticed. I was very happy to hear that. Lewis? Moreover. Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Give ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you first, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of 
Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 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 five hundred brethren at once, and whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Thank you, Lewis.、Uh, yes, it was history.、Uh, many had seen the risen Christ. They saw him on earth, except for Paul. He didn't. He saw him revealed from heaven's glory after he had, as it says here, died for our sins. That's the most important word there to begin with. If Christ didn't die for our sins and pay the full penalty、uh, for them, then we're lost and dead in sins and can't be saved. That's what Paul reveals. Uh, also, later in the same chapter, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, right, <clears throat> where he explains this all later in that chapter. But so Christ died for our sins. That's what so many want to deny today,、uh, as part of the gospel, that he really paid the penalty. It's not just an example. It's not just our,、uh, you know, our our example who. Suffered the consequence for what he believed, and we should do the same. No, that's not the point of it. He died. He paid the penalty for our sins on our on our behalf. He was buried, and he was gloriously raised from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven's glory. Praise God. Okay, that's what the enemy wants to pervert that teaching. That salvation could have to do with believing that Paul says we you believe that that why you're saved right well well my my <laughs> so that's a very important part of the sacred sist、uh, secret the mystery given to Paul the gospel itself the gospel of grace as he calls it okay then next because of the Satisfactory, the all-sufficient, the perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We have every benefit of Christ's work already provided today. Every benefit provided, okay, and、uh, just there waiting to be received. And so, what does he say about that?、Um, he says the the law, which was the great barrier to access to God. The great, not the way of access to God. Nobody could keep the law. All it could do was、uh, prove that you had failed to keep the law. So God had to remove that. In Colossians, he he writes in chapter two that that law was nailed to the cross. Even that's a rather dramatic way of putting it. Colossians chapter two verses thirteen and fourteen. You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having for having past tense having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Nailing it to his cross. Oh my! So these blessings that now flow to us Gentiles are freely given. And in Ephesians one, 
he writes of them in a general sense. He and we'll see that now as as I have uh, Gail read these verses in chapter one, verses two through nine, in a general sense, and then more specifically, much is said here. So, Gail, Ephesians chapter one, verses two through nine, please. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. There's a nice long sentence. Thank you, Gail. Oh, my. There's so much there to take to heart, to meditate on, to receive by faith, and to remember as God enables us to make these words a part of our thought process and then our sharing with others. Only those saved by grace through faith are promised these blessings. And notice he says they're heavenly. And he says all of them. What does he say? Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies? You see that? You already have been blessed with them. Hmm. Oh, my. Oh, joy, joy, joy. But there's so much more because now he goes on also in other parts of this letter and in his other letters to speak of the abundant life that's been freely offered to us based on Christ's own righteousness. And I'd like Patty to read those verses, which have been foundational for us here for so long. Patty, would you read Romans 5, 17, please? And also verses 20 and 21. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. Okay, so, yes, sin did abound, no question about it, and uh, death abounded as the proof of that, right? But grace did much more abound, verse 21, or superabounded. Actually, that would be a little literal, really literal translation of the Greek there, much it superabounded. 
as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace might reign through righteousness. That's the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul gives a lot of details in his letters regarding this. He says in Colossians 1 that Christ is in us the hope of glory. (laughs) And then in Romans 8, he writes, You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Praise God Almighty. Wow, amazing. Well, Anne, read for us from Ephesians 2 then, where he summarizes it all in just some wonderful words in verses 4 through 9. Anne? But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not works, lest any man should boast. Thank you, Anne. So the life that we have now is a resurrection quality of life. Our bodies haven't yet received the full benefit of that, but our spirits have. And praise God, uh, we are able to live a life that is abundant and full of grace. That's what Ephesians 2 says, right? And then these wonderful words from Romans 8 that I'd like Lydia to read for us. Romans 8, verses 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. Thank you, Lydia, very, very much. Wow, such promises. Those are promises by Almighty God to us. And we could go on and on. Paul isn't limiting his words to just those we've read today. But as you can see and always see here on Sunday morning, I strongly believe that reading the Word of God is what teaches us spiritual truth. It's not me explaining everything in infinite detail. It's reading the Word of God so it's written on our hearts. That's what makes the difference. So let's stop there, save the rest for next time. But um, many songs have been written that uh, explain all of this in song. They've been a great blessing to us all, I'm sure, down through the years. And 
one of them I'd like Patty to read for us because it focuses in on what we'll look at next time. And our main focus next time will be on the rapture, the blessed hope. That's the next thing on our calendar, actually, the blessed hope. Paul prophetically reveals much about that. And it's recorded well in this song that I'd like Patty to read. Uh, it's a song, the tune, the composer is James McGranahan. I have always, always found his songs to be very great singing. Uh, wonderful. So the title, It May Be at Morn. Patty? And there's a chorus, which at the end I will sing. It may be at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the fullness of glory to receive from the world his own. It may be at midday, it may be at twilight, it may be perchance that the blackness of midnight will burst into light in the blaze of his glory. When Jesus receives his own. O oh joy, O oh delight, should we go without dying. No sickness, no sadness, no dread, and no crying. Caught up through the clouds with our Lord into glory. When Jesus receives his own. O oh Lord Jesus, how long, how long, ere we shout the glad song. Christ returneth, alleluia. Amen, amen, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Amen. I didn't sing at all because my voice is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord for that song. Wonderful indeed, is it not? Okay, well, uh, any comments before we close today? Hi, Jen. Thank you for the message. It's absolutely wonderful. And uh, I, I just want to bring out something because it just uh, sort of inspired me to uh, think about this long and hard. And like, you know, this message being read, Ephesians 3, 6, you know, fellow heir. Yes. And if you search this word, it also show up in a few other places, you know, you know, Romans 17 as well. Why they use a different translation, joint heirs. Mm -hmm. So this is fascinating because heir means you inherit, not just a possession, you know, position, uh, position, possession, the property, but also the power. Yes. Okay. So think about this, you know, when we read First Corinthians about we may judge angels. That's a lot of power. So <laughs> as mere human, and we receive such wonderful blessings, but mm. also responsibility mm. and that power. I'm not sure we're ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Such power, you can even judge angels. You know yeah. so. You know, eternal life is more than just, okay, you just live forever and uh, enjoy all the bliss and peace and comfort. But there's a responsibility comes with it. And I think people really need a grasp that magnitude. 
that, that's all I was trying to say. Yeah. Hey, man. Well, yes, as you're right. Being an heir, having received the inheritance, uh, does involve the power and it involves the privilege, the ownership, right? So, hey, man, we have a lot to look forward to. And you're right. We're not ready yet, but we will be. That's part of the promise, right? We will be. And it will be even more ready uh, at the rapture if we are ready uh, with a word to share, right, with others who desperately are in need. Do we really believe that they don't have access to the truth unless someone shares it with them? Hmm. I guess we think they can just pick it up off the... Well, Cripple Tom story shows someone picked it up off the ground when crippled Tom wrote it on a scrap of paper that he dropped out of the window. Yeah, that story. Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for gathering us today. Thank you for those that have joined with us. We missed some. We love and even wish, wished we're here. But uh, Father, we, we were so blessed to be together and to have this word open before us. I pray that it would never be closed. Certainly our hearts would always be open and and tenderized, as it were, by this precious uh, word of truth that has that power to transform our hearts from those that are uh, hardened or stony uh, to those that are soft and welcoming and uh, certainly able to remove the great blindness. But we all still share to one degree or another. So, Father, May your word continue to be a great blessing as we look forward, listening for the shout, the call, and the voice, uh, loving his appearing, we pray, and that uh, your hope and comfort would uh, keep us, protect us, guard our hearts uh, today and until that day when, when we shall see our Lord face to face. So, Father, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.